is a Christian supposed to look like? Well, the contrast can be found in childish Christians versus serving servants, as we'll see next on today's broadcast of Truth For Today. Yesterday, here on Truth For Today, we began a contrast looking at childish Christians versus serving servants, a mature believer versus an immature believer. The distinctions are found here in 1 Corinthians. We welcome you to our broadcast and would invite you to join us today as we continue with our series, 1 Corinthians, Now Californians. Here now with today's broadcast from Valley Bible Church in Hercules, Pastor Phil Howard with this edition of Truth For Today. I wonder sometimes if the greatest servants in our church aren't in the children's department, where nobody even hardly knows them, praises them. Encourage. If they write an encouragement card, they write it to us pastors, because we're visible. Nobody writes one to the Sunday school teachers. Our Sunday school teachers don't get an encouragement card a year. I wonder if they're not the greatest servants in the church. Based on this now, I'm just a hunt. Don't. We can't hardly get you folks to even go over there at times. You've got to go over there and see what they do, what the youth department does. You've got them as teenagers now. I said, please, somebody do something with them. And uh, maybe that's where some of the greatest servants in this church are. But he said, bring these little children. If you'll welcome these children, you'll welcome me. So if you want to be great, don't worry about who you get to minister to. The biggest church, the, biggest, the folks with all the money, the folks with all the... Uh, the doctors, lawyers, and, and CEOs. Well, why don't you take time to be good to children? That'll just test your ambition. Because I want you to be great. I just want you to do it my way. You've got to be last. I love what uh, Deborah and them do in the music ministry. Their theme is uh, servants, not stars. We're not looking for prima donnas to be on the platform of this church. We're looking for servants to sing. We're not trying to discover new talent. Well, let's keep on. This is too convicting. Uh, let's uh, look at the choice you'll have to make. Matthew 20. The choice you must make. When he says, uh, he predicts his death for the third time. Third time in chapter 20. And in verse 20, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons, James and John, came to Jesus with her sons, and kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it you want, he asked. She said, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. Isn't this interesting? He's just mentioned, I'm going to the cross again, and they're worried about thrones in the kingdom. People not controlled by the Spirit are egomaniacs, insensitive to the Savior. She said, please give my boys a position. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, 
Whoever wants to become great. Notice he doesn't say don't become great. He wants you to be great. He just wants you to do it his way. You want to be great? Now, wouldn't it be terrible if he said, oh, you know, I'm, I just want to be nothing. Well, take it by faith, honey. You already are that. Do you want to be any more than nothing? Well, I like to be greatly used to God. I like, I like for God to do something. Well, all right. Wonderful. Here's the formula. Uh, all you got to do is be a servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Nobody does this. Verse 28. You're looking there, aren't you? Verse 28. What does it say? Just as the Son of Man, and, and who's that? The Emperor of Rome? Uh, Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You can't be promoted in any method other than the divine Christ model. He's the model. And if you don't like it, you're in the wrong outfit. You better get in corporate America. You better get out there and run with the sharks and see how good you keep up. But in God's church, greatness in his kingdom and his church is servanthood. It's not trying to be first. And he's taking on these Corinthians. How dare you make me the head of a party? I'm not running to be the head of a party at Corinth. How dare you make Apollos the head of some? We don't want schools named after us. We don't want a party in that church named after us. Just reading a bit on the biography of uh, Spurgeon. Did you know when they buried Spurgeon, what they put on, on his tombstone? C-H-S. He wouldn't even allow his full name to be spelled out. Because he said, I want them to know just an ordinary servant was buried here. C-H-S. The greatest preacher in London in the 19th century. Just C-H-S. And you're worried about what we put on your epitaph. We could say, world's greatest egomaniac. Can't get enough praise. Can't get enough position. Can't get enough honor. Can't get enough being first. Or wouldn't it be something you put on there? The least of all of God's saints, but saved by grace. That's what Paul says about himself in chapter 15. I'm an aborted apostle. Use very graphic language. I'm, bored. I'm like the fetus that was uh, uh, emitted out of a woman's body that was just counted dead and good for nothing. That's me. That's how I got in. But no matter how least I was, I worked harder than you all. Uh, the relationship of this servant. Uh, we don't have time to really do it. But put it down. Uh, 23, Matthew 23, 8 through 12. And there he's taking them on about titles. Uh, don't worry about what you call. Uh, just be a servant. Uh, and then the nobility of a servant, he gives us in Luke 22, verses 24 through 27. And he's telling them, men want to be called benefactor. They want to be called Augustus. And he goes on to say, uh, minister in lowly places and don't seek titles of honor. Uh, that's not our place. Then he says something, the paradox, number five, John 12. And I'm just giving you the glimpses. Uh, we can't settle down here too long. But look at John 12, the paradox of uh, being a servant. Uh, 
Um, Jesus says in verse 23, Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it. While the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Now watch. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. And what was the model he gave? Are you willing to die to your own ambitions? And to your own way of doing things? Willing to put to death your selfish, self-centered ambitions and die and serve anywhere, anytime, anyplace he wants. I read years ago about a pastor that was coming down with Alzheimer's. Had a wonderful church. But in the process and progress of the disease, uh, he began, he had memorized many verses, but he began to stumble in the pulpit. And uh, uh, the congregation noticed it, and for sure he did. And uh, out of consideration, uh, at the next board meeting, uh, he told the men, uh, I know I'm, I'm slipping in the pulpit, and I know I won't be able to be there much longer. This disease is taking my memory and my ability. And he said, while I can still remember, he said, I like to make a motion. And uh, they're listening. And he said, I like to make a motion, and have you men vote on it, that uh, once the disease takes away my ability uh, to preach, that you'd at least let me be a janitor at this church. And if you'll vote that in, because he said, I'll, I'll do anything I can to propagate the ministry of this church. And if I can't teach and preach, I'd be glad to clean bathrooms and to mop floors. He said, I just want to be of service. Would you put it in the minutes? What is there in the church you won't do? You have to ask that. What are you willing to do? And here, Jesus, my service will result in a crucifixion outside of Jerusalem. And I'm telling you men, if you follow me, you've got to die to the self-life. Peter, you're going to have to sell the fishing business because I've called you to come follow me and die. I've called you to forget all this stuff, just making money and, and going up and, and doing things. Die to yourself. Die to you being in charge. Because you see, the only way I can multiply your life for things eternal is if you die to your small ambitions and begin to follow me. But let me tell you, in dying, you will multiply the impact. And I never look at this passage, but when I remember when I was in the real theater, undergoing some great trials in my spirit, and uh, Malcolm Lee on a Sunday morning simply said to me, "Uh, Pastor, how are you doing? I said, I'm not doing well. He said, well, it's like we're watching you die every week. That's not great to tell your pastor. That's what you look like to the church. And when he said, I said, oh, I think you're absolutely right. I believe I am dying in this church. If God let me, I'd leave this church in a minute because I feel I am dying. 
And then right then, this verse was quickened to my mind by the Spirit. I said to him, but God's specialty is resurrection. And if he can make a kernel of wheat sprout up and produce more, he can revive a nearly dead preacher and do something else with me. But I am on the verge of dying. And I find out it's totally scriptural. And I find those men that God has used greatly in ministry have come to the place in their ministries that they've had nearly a death experience, that results weren't there, sermons weren't coming, or they weren't being effective. One, and it drove them to die to all of their reliance on self, uh, whatever, they, and cast themselves, I'm dead unless you produce a crop. And that's exactly what he's going to tell us. And then the reward of a servant. I'll just give you Luke 17 and Luke 12. And I'm not going to go there, but I think one thing amazing, he says in Luke 12, when the king comes back and throws his banquet, hear this, Luke 12, you read it for yourself. God the Son says, I will be serving you at the table at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Let me give you the exact verse. So you can read 1237. He gives the parable of the master that when he comes back, he will wait tables for the servants. And guess what? I can't even comprehend it. And I'll keep my emotions in check. To imagine seeing the resurrected lamb at the marriage supper of the lamb. And who's serving the food but Jesus? Can you imagine, Lockwood, that Jesus would wait on you? In the future. Here. Here's your food. Well, he washed their feet in the upper room and he gives it. You read the parable. When I come again, I'll still be a servant. And I'm going to serve my servants. The reward's coming. Maybe not in this life. But when I see Jesus with his five wounds and resurrected body and in his majestic glory, actually girding the towel again and wanting to serve me. It is incomprehensible. Now, listen to what Paul says about himself and Apollos. And we'll only go the verses that he uses the agriculture analogy. I must rush. In three minutes, I'll start coughing and I'll stop. Listen to what he says. What after all is Paul? What is Apollos? Only servants. We've only done what God assigned to us. He said, I'm a church planter. I planted the seed. I was there 18 months. Apollos came and God blessed him to water it. Rich and I know a man, Al Rutledge, in this area. He, he started so many different churches and about the time it got to be 200, 250, 300, uh, he'd get bored. He, he'd go start, go rent a hall and start another church. And right now, man, the goodies are coming. They can now give you a salary, Al. They can start now, you can start bragging a little bit. You got a growing church. You're up to 300. You're, and, and every time he'd get, he'd look for someone, hand it off, and he'd be over here or another guy in this area, Bill Herzog. They, they were just starting Grange Halls here and that. They, they weren't all into, uh, how big a church they got. They were planting all the time. Planting, planting, planting. Planting. The other pastors come along and watered it and the thing would really grow. And, of course, you always give the present pastor all the credit for what happened. Hey, who is Bill Herzog? Who is Al Rutledge? Started all kinds of churches. 
They didn't care about being the pastor of a large church. They just went to hard places, barren places, and just start from nothing. Would you do that if that was God's calling? Paul said, you know, I'm a church planner. And Apollos, thank God, God used him to water it. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. Now, this is Paul describing himself. But only God who makes things grow. I don't think most of us believe that verse. I don't think most preachers believe it. Because we've got all kinds of church growth techniques and philosophies and stuff. You, you know, uh, I, I think I could say this without contradicting myself. I've always been amazed this thing grew. Because I didn't make it grow. I just came to obey God, whether we ran 50 or 100. I was just as happy when we ran 100 as what we have now. But now it looks better on my resume to say he's a church, he's pastor of a large church. And I just say, what brings these people week after week? Who raised up all these ministries? Where did all these gifted people come from? What's moving these people to give this money? Instead of saying, I am some church planter and I am God's gift to preachers. Oh, let's throw up. And Paul is telling them, throw up. Apollos knows, and I know, God made it grow. God is the difference. What's wrong with saying God did it? And guys will ask me, what's your formula? Have you heard of God? Have you heard of God? Have you heard of the gospel? Have you heard of the Holy Spirit? They can take weak men with all their foibles and all of the... Let's quit praising men for what... You know what? All we are are tools in His toolbox. And sometimes you need a saw. Sometimes you need a chisel. Sometimes you need a hammer. And God reaches in there and He gets His work done throughout His kingdom, wherever it is. And He just reaches in the toolbox. And once you build the house, you don't have a praise service to the hammer. Let us praise the hammer. Oh, man, what a gifted hammer. You designed every room. You, huh, oh, we worship you, hammer. Oh, wait, wait, we're just instruments. It's Jesus that saves. It's God's church. God's building it with different tools. But you see, these kinds of people ruin preachers. Let me tell you, the people can ruin preachers. They ruin us two ways. They either spitting us out because you can't get along with them. They're quarreling all the time, like these Corinthians. And so they're, uh, and then they can get you jealous of another, uh, minister. Another word. So, ooh, you know what? Have you heard brother so? He really knows how to teach the word. Especially when you're in a slump. You know, they just, oh, I was preaching here. And one Sunday we had a guest speaker. And this was years ago. And I was, uh, I was broken hearted going through trials. And this guy preached. And oh, one of my great critics came and said, you just can't preach like our brother did last week. And uh, he, he fed my soul. You're getting on my nerves. And I said, I want to get on your eye. That's oh. And, and I, I asked him, I said, well, how long have I been pastoring you? Eighteen years. Eighteen years. I said, well, would you say God has used me at all in these 18 years? Oh, yeah. I said, Do you know what I would worry about if I were you? He said, what? When's God going to use you? 
Because you ought to be holding me up right now. And you're over here comparing me to some young stallion that I had over here preach and did a wonderful job. Wasn't the problem with the preacher. It's this guy just wanted to rub it in on me that you're just not you're not like you used to be. You just don't have it because he had no time for broken hearted preachers. So he wanted to discourage me and he did a good job of it. And he's never been the same. And then another way they've ruined us preachers is you don't know how to affirm the good hand of God without puffing us up. Many a preacher falls to pride. He gets puffed up. He gets to thinking he's God's a special gift to everything. And to say, no, he should never be elevated above being a servant. Surely we can't get higher than the master. You see, I don't own the farm. I'm just one of the work hands. God owns. He calls them, you're my field. You're my ranch. You're my... And, and Apollos, I want you to bring in the hay. Uh, no, no, you take, you run the irrigation ditches. And, and Paul, be sure you put seed in the field. And when the crop comes in, the owner doesn't uh, just, you know, well, we'll give all the glory to... No, no, no. We're team players. But we know the one owner is God. He owns the church, which is his field. And we just work in the field together. We're field hands. I said, you guys are spreading up the church over field hands. Paul says that about himself. I, uh, I love what Moody said. He uh, went to England. And while he was there, uh, he heard a man preach. And when the man concluded his sermon, he said, The world has yet to see what God can do with a man who has totally yielded to him. And Moody said, I want to be that man. And another great line is, it's amazing how much God can do through you if you won't take the credit. I'm convinced a lot of us can't have too much success because God gives it or he withholds it. How much can God trust you with? And you won't rob him of his glory. He seems to get more glory out of keeping you weak because you can't boast. You really need him. Let me tell all of you, here's one of my favorite sayings. It's mine, so give me credit in humility. (laughs) Uh, God just hit me a a few months back in prayer. I always thought I was doing a favor to tell God I needed him. And then it just hit me. Everybody needs me. Do you want me? Everybody needs me. The difference in you ought to be you want me. A guy going to hell needs God, but he doesn't want God. And I want to tell you, grow up, get out of the nursery department, develop some spiritual teeth, and we'll know you've got the teeth. And you know when we'll see the teeth? The teeth will have engraved on them, I want to serve without getting credit. I want to serve a majestic master. I'm not looking to be discovered. I'm looking to die to my own ambitions. And whatever he wants to make of me, so be Truth for Today with Pastor Phil Howard is the ministry of Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Thank you for spending time with us today. It's our hope and prayer that our time together has encouraged you in your understanding of God's Word, His love and designs and desires for you. 
As we close out our broadcast, we would remind you that copies of the broadcast are available on CD for just $5. Mention today's date as you contact us at 510-799-3171. 510-799-3171. You're also welcome to visit our website, valleybible.org. We also have our secure online store there as well. You can take advantage of other resource materials that we have for your future growth in Christ. Again, it's all at valleybible.org. And again, there is a secure store online. You can make use of your Visa or MasterCard right there. As always, you're welcome to join us for worship Sunday services. Here at Valley Bible Church in Hercules are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We're just off Highway 4. It's that church with the three crosses on the hill about a quarter of a mile from the Highway 4 I-80 junction. Directions can be found at our website, valleybible.org, or again, simply call 510-799-3171. And would you do us a favor? We'd really love to hear from you at this time. To help us understand how the Lord is leading and directing us in this ministry, we need to hear from you to know how the Lord is using this ministry for your walk and growth in Christ. So would you take a moment and jot us a quick note, whether it's an email off of our website, valleybible.org, or writing to us, Truth For Today, Box 5158, Hercules, California, the zip code is 94547, or simply call 510-799-3171. As we want to be wise stewards of what God has entrusted to us, we count these letters and phone calls of real importance to us as we continually evaluate the ministry here of Truth For Today. Thank you for joining us today. We trust we'll hear from you soon. And look forward to seeing you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Valley Bible.